0: We're preparing for Purim, and I want to explore what may seem as different or disparate sources to appreciate a theme that emerges from the Purim experience and teaches us something about our avodas HaShem, our relationship with the Rabbon Shalom, the whole year, about how we express and experience our Judaism. The Gemara tells us in Megillah that you saw in the first source that there is an obligation. A person is obligated, the word literally means bosem, to become exactly perfumed, which is a euphemism for inebriated. To the extent that the person no longer can discern. The difference between blessing Mordechai and cursing Haman. So how this concept is observed practically is a discussion in the Shulchan Aruch and the commentaries. But I want to reflect on the just the idea that we take this one day, we have this Purim emphasis on physical celebration. The most, I would say, the, the most immersive, the most immersive type of, I don't want to use the word hedonistic, because that's not the right concept, because we'll see later what this really means, so it's not hedonistic, but it's the most, the the height of physical engagement and enjoyment. So the person the person is mamish, they're having a suda, of course there's a mitzvah of suda, but they're having a suda, and part of that suda is becoming inebriated to the point that they don't even have their mental acuity. It's all embracing the meal, the drink, the festivities. What is the pshat in this experience? You know, it's one thing to have simchas yom tov, the joy of yom tov, joy of yom tov, basar and yayin, meat and wine, but adaloyota to the person lets go of their faculties and you're, you're wholly, totally, focused on the physical celebration, what is the meaning of that? Why is that specific, and why is it specifically Purim? Now, so you saw, there is the comment of the Levush, of the great Mordechai Yafa in the turn of the 17th century. It's quoted in the Mishnaburah here that you have in Hilchus Hanukkah, where we contrast Hanukkah and Purim, that on Hanukkah, they were out to get our souls. So we celebrate from a soul perspective, we light lights and we say hello and we thank our Baruch Hu. But on Purim, they were out to kill our bodies and therefore we celebrate by enjoyment of our bodies. This is probably known to you, you've probably heard this idea, contrasting Hanukkah and Purim, which is beautiful, and it's very important, but it doesn't really explain the extent to which we emphasize this Simcha and Mishneh, on pouring. So that's the first element that we should consider. Issue number two is the Gemara in Maseches Shabbos that you you saw here on the bottom. Dav peches. The Jews gathered at Harsirai in the underneath of the mountain. That is the phrase, in the underneath of the mountain, which is obviously, that is not a syntax you would normally use. What does it mean to gather in the underneath of the mountain? So the Talmud says, you're right. We were in, underneath the mountain. Because the mountain was like a barrel and it was held over our heads. So this is probably familiar to some of you, this idea that there was an element of coercion at Matan Torah, which of course had to be the case, says the Maharal. It can't be a situation that when it comes to something which is essential to you, there is an element of choice. This is just an important thing to realize. When we have a choice in something in life, there is always the lingering possibility, maybe I made the wrong choice, Maybe I should switch channels right now. But if something is not a choice, then there are no doubts and there are no other options. So the Torah is hechrechi, it is not something which is an option. Yes, there's going to be an important element of choosing, but there is also the awareness that it is not a choice which is a discussion for a different time, but that needs to be put out there. Because some people could wonder, why did it have to be that way? It had to be that way, the Maharal says, because there could never be the potential for a no. There is no potential for no. Yom HaShishi, the entire existence of humanity, was waiting for this. So, the Gemara then explains, goes on to tell us, that this reality of there being a threat or a coercive element at our Sinai, it adds a legal wrinkle to our acceptance of the Torah. Mikan, moda rabbo le'oraisa. Moda is a legal, technical instrument which is used in commercial transactions when one party feels coerced. So if somebody comes to me, with a gun, and says, "Sell me your house." And I say, "I'm not really looking to sell my house." And they say, "No, no, no, <laughs> you are going to sell me your house." So theoretically, <clears throat> the Gemara says in Baba Basra and Daf Men, there are a lot of details about this. You could call two witnesses, not in the presence of the gun. I would, I would advise, and tell them, "I'm going to sell this house, but the sale is being transacted under duress, and I want to put that out there as a moda, as a point of information." The Talmud says it's a moda. It's a notation, a legal footnote that this acceptance of the Torah was under duress. Okay. Says the Gemara, p-k, nonetheless, hadar kiblu Nonetheless, in the days of Achshvirush, we reaccepted the Torah willingly. So now today in the year 2024 there is no longer a legal asterisk next to our acceptance of the Torah we accepted it in our Purim now it's all good no more asterisk so Mara says, how do you know that? from a Pasuk, the Pasuk says kimu vekiblu ha they kimu leKaye means to fulfill and kiblu, they accepted kimu they fulfilled what they had already accepted. So I want to understand <clears throat> what exactly is the pshat that we re-accepted the Torah in the time of Purim. What was it about the Purim experience that complemented the Harsinai experience? Harsinai was coercive. Purim is voluntary. What is it about Purim that is a voluntary experience? So you saw Rashi says, because of the Avasanes, the, the, um, the Ben Yehoyada says, well, after they saw the hanging of Haman, wow, then everybody was excited. Then they were willing to accept it. It can't be before. You saw the Ben Yehoyada, you see the maral here in the Chadash that they took on a voluntary mitzvah. Mikra Megillah is not from the six thirteen. The Gemara says it was a big deal to add the Megillah. So you see, they're mekabel, they're mekabel. But I want to understand what specifically about the Har experience. What about that was, so to speak, deficient? That's being, that's being invested specifically on Purim and then of course what does it have to do with our first question final question the Gemara says that you saw in Megillah on Dav Tezayin when the Talmidim were sitting talking to Rev Shimon Bar Yochai the Gemara Megillah excuse me Dav Yud you see it on the bottom Megillah Dav Yud Bez why were the Jews Faced with destruction. Says the Gemara. They said, after he said, you tell me, top the next page. Because the Jews of Shushan ate from the feast of that wicked person, meaning Ahashverush. So can I ask you, what was so wrong that they ate from his feast, that they should be they should be faced with a Gezerah, God forbid, of annihilation. What was so wrong? Exactly. So this is the body. It seems that this is going to be a problem. That now all of a sudden we are sharpening our focus. Now it happens to be the Gemara is going to back out on this, but the Havamina, this initial suggestion, brings us, I think, to the exact point that you're raising. This is about the body. body. No, that they... Explain it. Again, the body is following the wrong path, basically. Well... Let's let's figure out what that was. So some would say, you know why they, they shouldn't have eaten from that feast? Because that feast was a celebration of the end of Jewish destiny. Wasn't it also not kosher? Oh, I was hoping somebody would say that. You would think that it's not kosher, but the Gemara has a drusha. the Gemara has a drusha that lasso's <clears> kirtzon <throat> ish like Mordechai and Haman, and the Mar- Rav explains, everyone got a double-wrapped meal <laughs> with a special hashgacha, and when you opened it up, it was delicious. Well, and the wine was kosher wine. Vashziach like Dasl Torah. everyone got kosher wine. It was either Mavushal or they had Jewish waiters. So this is the big ASIC about this meal. So some would say, it wasn't kosher. No, we could suggest it was kosher. Some would say it's a problem because they were celebrating the demise of the return to Jerusalem. Why? To the oh, how do you know? Because Achashverosh took, took out the utensil to the base of Mikdash Kalem Shem. Exactly. And why did he do that? Because the Gemara says he made a calculation, and he said, "Look, Belshazzar, he made a calculation when the base of Mikdash will be never rebuilt again." And he made a mistake, and he was killed. But don't worry, I'm not going to make the same error. And so I'm going to calculate it. He calculates when the seventy years of exile. Because there were, there, were, there were people who knew this prophecy. It was known. Seven years the Jews are coming back. He calculates, 70 years, no Jews going back, it's over. So it could be. Nanami, Sudasa, It wasn't the food that was the problem. It was the theme. You're going to all go to a banquet celebrating the end of Jewish destiny? So that's not right. So a couple different mahalchem, but the suggestion that you have is interesting to think about it in the words, "Nanu Russia." They enjoyed it. There was an element of Gishmak What's the Pshat in the in the gishmak here in the ocheil? So Rav Kook has a ha'ara. It's a beautiful ha'ara where he points out that we have, of course, two ways of relating to Hashem as the the davening describes on Rosh Hashanah how can we relate to God im kebonim im kaavadin when a ben relates to an av in a normal healthy ideal circumstance how does the ben relate to the av the son to the father what's the affect what's the attitude respect respect love, honor, appreciation. Right? That's, ideally, that's the way it should be. The mitzvah of kibrava aim is indeed, and also, in feeling, in approach, the Gemara says in Kiddushin. So ideally, if you have an ideal relationship between parents and children, when the father is looking for something, the son should jump up and immediately find ways to provide whatever that is for the father. That's the ideal. It should be done out of love. But the other relationship is not exactly the same. When you have someone who's a servant, they don't generally or certainly not necessarily serve their master out of a sense of love. They serve out of a sense of obligation responsibility. You must do it. That's your lot in life. Either that's your station or that's what you committed to. That's where you are. And you do it because you have to do it. So now let's think about this. There are two parts of our identity. We have a guf, a physical body, and we have an eshamah. We have a spiritual dimension, our inner essence. If you ask the guf, as a goof, how do you feel about serving God? Do you feel like that is a sense of love, of aspiration? Is it something you're excited about, or is it something that you just have to do, but it's not really your jam? What would you say if you asked the goof? What would you say? What would the body say? Second. Not my jam. I'm not really excited about that the part of us that's physical says, don't get out of bed for shachris. (laughs) Just lie there. Right? Right. It says, I'm hungry. Eat whatever comes to you. That's the guf. That's the chomer. That's something which is, unfortunately, it's from the earth. (inaudible) That's just the reality of who we are. It's the physical component. That's it. And then, you ask the person's neshama, so how do you feel about serving Hashem? Do you feel like an evid? You ask the soul of a person, does the evid, Does the soul feel like an evid? It's a sense of obligation, of, of burden. No! The soul is like, this is what I've been waiting to do. The goof doesn't let me. The goof is holding me back. But if it was up to me, the neshama, it would be flying. Unbelievable says Rav Kook, this is the distinction. The guf relates their B'on as an evid. The neshama relates their B'on as a ben. There's commitment, there's coercion, there's necessity, and then there's love, there's covenant. When we came to Har Sinai, perhaps this is the pshat, when we came to our Sinai, what happened? Two things happened. We said Nasavanishma, we said, "We want this. We're signing up for it. We're excited. And what else happened? Kafa and Satosis tries to figure out, which was it? Satosis has a suggestion. Other Rishonim have a suggestion. What is the answer? Well, one answer is, it's both. Perhaps you could argue. Our neshama, it was Nasavanishma. Our goof, not interested. You saw the Gemara. What did the Gemara say when we got to Har Sinai? Our souls left us. What does that mean, our souls left us? It means our souls were so excited that they leaned in. They said, we want this. And what, what did they leave behind? The body. The goof. The goof said, no, we're, we're going to stay in the car. You, know? you go ahead, souls. You go out there but we're we're not interested. Kaf aleim har Kigigis was on the guf. So comes comes the low place where the Jewish people at a point where nanu shall also Russia. They get to a point where their neshama is so buried, Haster, astir. They're in such a dark gollus. Even the the names of Mordechai and Esther they have like these gollus overtones. There's a hiddenness. And what's emerging? Emerging is the dominance of the goof, And we become lulled into the world of the chomer, of the goof, of the body. So here we are, everyone's fressing, fressing, fressing. And we look at ourselves and we say, "Ula, oh, wow. Where have we sunk to? Where have we sunk to? There, Bolshom, he pulls out Haman, the rabbit, out of the hat. And he says, Chebrah, You've forgotten. You've forgotten the whole purpose of this world is to bring the soul out from within the body. You've forgotten all of that. What does Esther tell them to do before she goes to the king? Fast. No food, Hevra. Three days? We're going to take a break. We're not going to have any food. When Haman goes to find Mordechai, what does he see people doing? Learning Torah. They said when we are faced with a crisis of running away from Judaism because of annihilation, or running toward the Rabbona Shalom, they say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to run toward the Rabbona Shalom. We're going to embrace our spirituality even if it is at the risk of our physical existence. Because we realize that what matters is the soul. Of course you need a body, but the body is just a vehicle for the soul. So now, perhaps the pshat is, we decided, you know what? At Har Sinai, only our neshamas were ready to say yes. But on Purim, we decided we're willing to sacrifice even our bodies. Our bodies are ready to say yes to God now. We're ready to commit ourselves completely to Hashem. What was lacking at Har Sinai, is fulfilled now on Purim. Because they came back to a commitment of spirituality, even at the expense of their physicality. They were being threatened with annihilation. So the Kabbalah now is on the guf, on the body. Now we took it. So therefore, what do we do? We demonstrate that our guf is also in the service of God. You don't have to throw away your guf to be in the service of God. We needed to, to demonstrate, we needed to commit that our body was going to be in the service of God. So now, what do we emphasize on Purim? The body. And there's more on this, I don't know if you had a chance to look, I put in the back of the packet, I could send it to, I didn't put it in the, in the actual sources, the extra the excerpt from The Path to the Tree of Life, the teachings of Ramothal Zilber, from uh, Rabbi Zev Reichman, the English explanation, which is a supplement to the packet, this port and Torah, that the guf, the body, is now interested in serving God. With this, I can understand why it is there's such an emphasis on sudas purim, on enjoying the meal of purim and becoming intoxicated to the point where a person lets go of their das. Das, that's an expression of your inner soul. That's where you make rational Cognitive informed decisions. What's left when a person lets go of their of their das? Just their body. When the body is left in an ideal purim sense, that body is now serving God. That body is saying Torah and making brachos and in the service of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. So the tikkun for the suda of Achashverosh is the Suda that is a Suda's mitzvah, a feast of a mitzvah that shows that all of us, the full person, is committed to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And in that sense, perhaps, you could suggest, obviously, I'm not, I'm not one to argue with the Ben Yoyad and the Maharal, but that the Hadar Kiblua Bimei HaShverosh did not take place after the miracle occurred. The Kabbalah took place, the reacceptance took place before, when they were willing to fast when they were willing to devote their physical existence to the service of Hashem, that was the Hadar Kibluha. The success in the battle, that was just an afterthought. The miracle, that's an afterthought. So when a person sits down to the Perm Suda, you realize every part of the person is now intent on serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that's perhaps why, even more than a Simchas Yantif, on this day, we are taking our full selves, not just our neshamas, but our guf, and recommitting our whole selves to the service of Hashem. So it's specifically through mishta, through drinking, through asuda, through those physical things that we do, that we demonstrate our commitment to HaKadosh Baruch Hu on